Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. What is going on, folks? Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 92 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, great, great conversation for you today. I sit down and chat with Chris from Top Shelf Breaks. Uh, Chris is one of my favorite dudes when it comes to group breaking because he just has a, a, a very real perspective on kind of what's happening in the hobby. And I dig into some of the stuff that I think is important right now, right? What's going on in the distribution channel? Like who's getting squeezed? What's going on with prices, right? How do we how do we address that as a hobby? And and of course, we talk about products and some of the, the fun things that are happening. The, the hobby is great, right? The hobby is in a great, great spot in terms of price growth and everything else happening and, and you know, great products that I think have been pretty consistent the last few months. Um, and we got sports coming back, we think, right? But um, we, we talk about some, some topics that I think are just important to address. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the conversation today with Chris. Now, real quick, be sure to check out starstock.com. Uh, we, I have been talking about Starstock. I've been using them now for a while. And um, I can tell you with certainty, I've been getting some of the best prices uh, on my cards. Um, I've sold about 500, actually about $600 in cards in the last week. Um, just various, you know, graded cards that I didn't want to take the time to list on eBay. And it took me, you know, a matter of two or three days to, to get it shipped out and listed on their site. They, they populated it pretty quickly. I simply added, you know, added them to my, uh, inventory as available for sale. And within days I'm getting offers or buy prices that are at or better than what you can get on eBay. And best part about it is I didn't have to do a thing. There's no returns to worry about. It's extremely straightforward. The platform, the interface is great. Go check them out, starstock.com. Be sure to let them know you came from Breaker Culture. One of you random Breaker Culture followers will get a $500 gift card, $500 credit to use on starstock.com. Pretty outstanding gift, and uh, I'm not sure exactly when they're giving it away. I'll check that. We'll have Scott on the show next week. And uh, we'll clarify that with him. But uh, really, really excited about what I'm seeing at starstock.com as a very, very viable alternative to selling on eBay. All right, cool. Also, don't forget to go check out benchclear.us. Go to Benchclear Media on YouTube. You'll see the link in our show notes. We are putting out a ton of content on YouTube. I've been putting out some checklist videos, some card chart videos. Uh, Mike is doing some awesome stuff with his baseball collector audience and, 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 and on the vintage side, he, he has got a great perspective. And of course, Jeff from Pack Geeks doing his thing with uh, his extremely well-produced weekly show. Um, and there's more coming very, very soon. So stay, uh, stay alert, be ready, subscribe, and enjoy. All right, enjoy the conversation with Chris from Top Shelf. Have yourself an amazing week. Mr. Chris, how are you doing? Hey Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Middle of the week, kinda. What what is a 
what's kind of the flow of your week? Do you get, do you kind of front load it where you have a lot of stuff going like Tuesday, Wednesday with releases or do you? Mondays, Mondays, I'm not chomping at the bit when I get in because I don't have to come back for breaks until Tuesday. Okay. So, so Mondays are kind of a catch up over the weekend. Go over uh, the final breaks that we did late Saturday night. Get those all packed up and get ready for sorting. So Tuesdays is when I kind of really hit the ground running and prepare for the week. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm off on Mondays, but Mondays can be a little bit more lax for me. Not as much pressure because breaks don't start until Tuesday. Got so, it. Makes sense. Yeah, it works. So um, how do we how do we solve this social unrest issue in America right now? I'm just kidding. No. Yeah, I was going to say, please don't. I'm not a political. I don't talk politics and stuff. Please totally don't. Totally kidding. We're not going that. We're not going on that path. Yeah. Well, that you got me on that one because I'm thinking he would not ask me that. But, so you got me on that one. Uh, man, how excited are you that baseball is going to be back? I mean, my I, goodness. Yeah, to hear the crack of the bat, I am really excited. But there's a little bit of trepidation with me. Why? Uh, on, on the personal level with me well because i'm st- i'm just scared I'm, I'm i'm scared that something's going to happen uh with corona or they say sorry we just can't do this it's mm-hmm. the, the the health and the well-being and the safety are paramount and i know we said we're going to start up again but i mean we're, there's still you know weeks between now and then of that happening so if you're listening to this podcast and it's like christmas time <laughs> and they played baseball and had a world series great but for now same thing with basketball. My neighbor, as you know, we talked about him before. He's cameraman for the NBA and for NFL. And uh, so he's been my, you know, every day I'm like, do you get any phone calls? Do you have Zoom calls? Are you having conference calls? What's going on? Because he's kind of the first line. Yep. And uh, he did have a call yesterday. He was out with us, actually. He went and took the call. They are definitely a go for, for NBA. Yep. And uh, he's a robotics cameraman. So he's sitting pretty because there's going to be a lot of robotic cams nowadays hmm. during this environment. But he has to go down early, and he has to self-quarantine, and there's there's a lot that's going to have to happen. So the trepidation I have is that someone's going to get infected, or and it could slow down the opening, the, the process, or cancel it. Beside that, yes, I can't wait to hear the crack of the bat and watch the players play and see who's going to be good and watch a lot of these rookies and, and guys uh, get out there on the field and kick some ass. For sure. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, right, because there, there's, a, there's a lot we're going to talk about. In re- okay. regards to baseball and when you condense a season, like what does that do to, I mean, just so much it affects in the hobby. Oh man. Whether it's the expanded rosters to, you know, call-ups that are, you probably wouldn't have got called up this year, but are going to be on the expanded roster to like, what do they do with releases, right? What happens with tops update? Like this is just so many things that are going to be really interesting to watch. Whereas it's very far reaching. If we didn't have a season or if we don't have a season, Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, talk about a big time bummer for the hobby. For the hobby and just in general, because it's so far reaching. Like you just said, there's so many different elements of things that it's it's touching on. There probably should be out there at every game, starting in spring training, getting all of those pictures, getting all the photographs for the trading cards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 getting the guys' jerseys that they're wearing and their hats and their patches and gathering all that stuff up. Well, if there's no ball played this year, which it sounds like there will be, where are they going to get all those items? Hmm. So, and, and photos and, and pictures to use. So at least they will have that opportunity to get pictures and use them on the cards going forward. 
because I thought about that. You know, what photos are you going to use? Sure. Yeah. Old ones. You need new ones for the following season, you know, and for the future. So I am excited about it. I really am. It's just I do have some trepidation about the season starting. I have a little concern about that uh, because there's a lot that can happen between now and that first pitch. Yep. That's all I'm saying, you know. For sure. A lot of X factors that could come up. But definitely I'm excited, truly, really excited. They can get all the things they need for the trading cards for this year and the coming year and and meet with the players and get all their memorabilia items and all that stuff. So it's it's really good for the hobby that they're playing baseball. Were you starting to see a little bit of a fall off on baseball releases? Were you you seeing a little bit of a, I don't know, less excitement than normal? Were you sensing that? Uh... No, okay. <laughs> not, 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 not really. Well, I guess there, there wasn't a ton of releases yet. There wasn't, right. there wasn't like off the top of my head here. The, Finest, the most right? recent, <laughs> the, the most recent was that diamond icons mm. um, product and prism baseball and select baseball. Um, and finest just came out. So prior and, and signature are um, the current clearly authentic, Yeah, but they haven't even gotten into the meat and potatoes of the year yet. So I I think it's going to be good. I'm just trying to figure out time. We talk about this now and again when we get together. um, And I'm sure you're going to go down this road. But how is that affecting the overall industry and hobby uh, in a good way or a bad way? I was afraid people weren't going to care. I was afraid people just collectors were just going to be like, you know what? Uh, It's out of sight, out of mind. So it's either going to be that or it's going to be guys like, holy crap, I miss baseball. Let's get some cards going, you know, and I think it's the latter so far. Well, so let's we're getting right into this. I like this. So let's divide the two worlds for you, right? You have a card shop world and you have a breaker world. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you are you seeing a little bit more of a decline in the card shop world versus the breaker world? Are you seeing both just, you know, that means no stopping them type type thing? where where are you seeing the dichotomy between the two? Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Well, we had the lockdowns, so uh, there was not, I didn't want to have to introduce people into the store early on at risk of maybe contracting COVID or passing it, all that. So the shop was strictly for locals, meaning Mm. they they have my, my phone number or they'll email me and say, can I come by? So they're still coming by, but it's the guys that want to buy multiple hobby boxes in the shop. Okay. So the demand, the demand for people just coming in to mill about and look at all, look through the 5,000 count boxes, maybe look at some singles, look at some merchandise, chit chat. Of course that wasn't happening uh, on the break side. And I know my, my fellow breakers will um, concur with this. I don't know the percentage, but it feels like it increased a hundred percent because everybody was at home and looking for something to do. And they probably didn't have the time before, Ty, to uh, do these breaks at night because they're coming home from work. And they're spending time with their family. They go to bed and get up and do it again. Now they don't have a job to go to or they didn't have a job to go to. So my fear was what if people, collectors, uh, panic and don't want to spend a dime. Hmm. Like they, they don't have a job. They're on furlough. Uh, maybe they got laid off. Maybe it's unknown. So why would they be spending money? Well, it was the opposite. I've noticed a huge, huge influx and increase of not only the new customers, like brand new first timers, yep. but also the regulars. 
we're spending just as, if not much more, on brakes. So I'll take that as a business owner. That's good. And I, I thought that would taper off after the first few weeks, right? The first few weeks, everyone's like, well, we don't think this is going to be real. It's going to pass. I'm just going to continue breaking and spending money on spots. Well, uh, it, it hasn't stopped yet, even to this day, as we enter phase four here in Chicago. So it's been good, and it's been great, and it's bringing in even more new people to the hobby. Breaking in the shop is in phase four now, so we're out there now. Guys can see this on my X split screen here. We're getting the shop ready for reopen probably uh, when I come back from vacation officially. Got it. Okay, so you're you're not open 100% still? No. Okay. Uh, th that's a personal choice okay. of mine. The personal choice is uh, there's a whole mask issue, whether or not I need to wear one, who needs to wear a mask when they come in the store. There are people who straggle in here, and I did a soft opening test last week, Yep. and, and they come in here. And they don't know whether to wear their mask or not to wear their mask. For some reason, in the grocery store, people wear their masks. But in a little shop like this, they didn't have their masks on. Sure. I didn't. I didn't scold them. I didn't tell them to get out. But then again, I don't know. Sure. I don't want to. I don't want to violate any rules. You know, I don't want to upset anybody. Social media element. Hey, Chris didn't have his mask on at top shelf. <laughs> so I got to be prepared for that. In phase four has now also allowed Ty more than 50 people, gatherings of 50 people. Which is a normal day for you, right? <laughs> yeah, time, pretty you have 50 much. That shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to have to be like, oh, crap, we have 11. You got to wait outside. Right. So I, I feel more comfortable now that I can really open and maybe do some JSA uh, great uh, authentication events again and, and yeah. get that rolling. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Are you Are you – mask on mask off like do you are you wearing mask out in public what's your personal opinion on that yeah i am i am respectful uh like many of us they're not the most comfortable things to wear i don't even like dressing up at halloween i'm i'm a non-halloween <laughs> i'm a halloween party pooper i've always yeah. been i just don't like the attention on me and oh what do you have on i don't like the stuff on my face and whatever so for me to wear a mask you know it's not the most favorite thing but i do i do but when i run into fedex to drop off packages for the day i don't because I'm just running in, I'm staying eight to 10 feet away from people. I drop off my packages and I roll out. Same thing at the post office. I run in, I go to the left, there's nobody there, I drop them in. But if I'm out and about milling about in the grocery store or, geez, where else do I even go? Do we even go anywhere else? I go to the grocery store in this shop and in my house. So that's really it. <laughs> How about you? What's your status over there in Kansas City? Uh, You know, for the most part, I'm probably, I don't want to say I'm anti-mask, I but yeah. I have not put on a mask outside of going into Costco. Um, right. But I, I also think it's, it's you're kind of, um, you kind of just, you're, you adapt to your surroundings. And I would say, generally speaking, here in Kansas City, there's not a ton of people wearing masks. Oh, yeah. You know, I but it, it, if I'm walking in, if I'm going into a nursing home, right, I'm putting on a mask. If I'm going into yeah. the hospital, right, that, that type of stuff, I'm going to obviously respect the surroundings. But yeah, I mean, normal life around here. It's pretty normal. That's how it is here, too. Um, I just try to be, you know, I have this fear that someone's going to um, mess with me and, 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 like, start mask shaming me because I didn't have my mask on. And it's a whole, it, that opens up a whole new window of conversation that I just really wouldn't want to go down. Because it's not a law. Wearing your seatbelt is a law. 
You get pulled over. You don't have on your seatbelt. <laughs> you are going to get a ticket. The police are not going to write me a ticket because I do not have on a mask. They can ask you to leave, right? They could say, hey, could you you don't, you're not welcome here or put your mask on or get out and make a decision at that time. And even sure. then, you don't have to leave. You could challenge it. Then they would disturb. They're disturbing the peace. I checked with the local authorities here just so I knew. But then again, I don't want to contract it. So I, I do wear it if I'm grocery shopping or like a major, larger place. But the little small local places I run in and out of, uh, I just I don't because I'm in and out in 30 seconds. Mm. All right. Mm -hmm. Enough of the mask. Yes. Mask. <laughs> Thank My you. Gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, so tell me about maybe the change in demographics. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, cause there's a shift taking place in the hobby right now. Okay. And I, I don't want to say like a certain part of the hobby is moving out and a new part's moving in, but it's the hobby's growing. Obviously. What, what are you seeing in terms of your type of break customer and the, the, the newer modern collector over the past, I don't know, six months. What are you seeing? That's a little different. Anything sticking out to you? Younger, um, yeah, what, what's, it's, what's up? It, it still rings true. Um, Pre-COVID, when we would talk, there was a lot of excitement in the hobby, and there was a lot of eyes on the hobby, and there's a lot of cards selling for a lot of money. Of course, Zion has a lot to do with that. Single-handedly, yeah, Zion has right. brought a lot of eyes to the hobby. That we that that goes without saying. So that was growing rapidly and quickly, and we would have these conversations. It's the guys who are in their forties right? Late thirties to mid forties, heading towards 50 that were collecting as a kid in the eighties and the nineties, they got their job, their career, married kids, family, and didn't have that expendable extra income. Now they do. And now they're getting wind of the hobby through, uh, news stories, through social media and finding out what it is. And then they talk to their buddies or their friends and it's bringing them in COVID the, the coronavirus mm -hmm. magnified that like exponentially, hmm. like I said earlier. So I'm seeing a lot of, and I ask everybody, I, I don't know if other breakers do this, and I'm sure they do, but I get sometimes really hyper-focused on when I see a new name in the chat room or in my break, because I want to know, how did you get here? Yep. I literally ask every single time. I, I'm not ad nauseum about it, but I know when and how to ask. How did you get here? Was it Twitter? Was it through uh, Facebook? Is it from a referral? Maybe somebody referred you here. I'm seeing a lot of referrals. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, yeah, so-and-so told me about your breaks and told me I should come check it out. So that means these guys are all talking about it. And it's usually the new guys that are bringing in the other guys. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of referrals right now. And of course, good old Twitter, uh, works for me and then I say so I don't like to ask people how old are you how old are you <laughs> I say tell me about yourself you know and I, I kind of make a joke like are you an old dude like me that grew up in the 80s are you a young whippersnapper looking to buy and flip cards kind of thing and most of the time they are an older demographic maybe that's because they're comfortable with me um, and what I'm into and the music I play and stuff mm. but I, I don't get at top shelf, we do not have a lot of those younger, super aggressive, price heavy collectors. You know, the type that, you know, every time you pull a card, that's a $50 card. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a 300. I don't have a rule about that, but I try to curb that because I don't want every single card to be about the value 
how much it's worth or, oh, that box sucked because you only pulled $50 worth of cards and it was a $500 box. Like, I don't get a lot of that because I don't want to put forth that energy and have it always be about the money in these breaks, you know. Now, if you pull a big card, it is fun to look that bad boy up and say, man, that's a $3,000 card or a $1,000 card. That's cool and that's fun. But don't be nickel and dime in every single card we pull that's only $25 and, and trying to bust on the product and stuff. Like, it's just not fun. For sure. Well, it's funny, right? I was in your room last night and someone pulled that uh, Boba Bichette Red Auto. Yeah. And I yeah, was the first fine. one talking about price. So I'm sorry. You were, but see, but see, no, but see, that makes sense, though, because <laughs> that's a beautiful, cool card. You weren't saying, oh, my God, a box of finest is how much? And you just got about $10 worth of cards? Yeah. Well, oh, the, man. the funny thing, and I think this kind of speaks to your point, right? The guy last night who pulled that was even like, wait, what? Like, it's worth <laughs> that much? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I know. that's awesome that it's a surprise to you. Yep. It's kind of what I it's know. about. Well, right? that's, but see, that's what I'm saying. That's the type – that's the good thing about uh, group breakers today is I think um, – I hearken back to my radio days that every radio station had its own identity. You were top 40 adult. You were classic rock. You were country. You were this. You were that. And I think over the years, uh, group breakers have created their own identity. At least that was my goal and intent. Who are we? What are we about? What's to be expected? And what are you going to get? So, you know, I attract the type of people that are into chatting about their family and their work and their lifestyle and, you know, sports in general. It's not all cards, 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 price, 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 price. So when guys pull cards, they legit do not know the value of the card. And usually there's somebody in chat that will help them and say, look, dude, that's a $1,500 card, man. So I like that because I don't want to always be about price every single little card. Because that gets old fast. Top shelf breaks. Breaker for the common people. <laughs> That's right, buddy. For <laughs> um, the common man. How healthy do you think the hobby is right now? Uh, um, let's see. So there's probably like green, yellow, and red. I think it's neon green. I think it's greener than green as far as healthy goes. And meaning, let me back it up there, meaning the excitement and the demand and the consumption, the appetite for these products. Now there's some other side of it that people are upset about um, price gouging and can't get products and prices are too high. I don't think that is a negative to the hobby. I mean, what do you want everything to be $10 and it's the junk wax era again. So it's good. It's very good. And it's exciting. Finally. Would you, would you say that the hobby right now is at its all time peak in terms of, in terms of, I don't know, mm -hmm. price stability slash excitement and overall excitement from being a collector since the eighties and having been through everything over the years, I think we are at an approaching. Yes. The true apex in the peak. But I think maybe we said that three months ago. So who knows? But the excitement, the demand, and the the consumption of these products is at an all-time high for sure. Never been higher. Um, and the prices, you know, we got to talk about prices. I, I know that's the definitely probably the, the leading yep. topic right now. But 
that's a part of it, man. Is is prices and it's pricing some people out, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's over the past, I don't know, probably six weeks, I've been putting out different content just around like, hey, look, look at the look at the data here, and Mm -hmm. you you as a as a modern day collector, and a lot of people say, you know, everyone's an investor now. I don't think that's true, right? A lot of people coming to the hobby aren't necessarily just investing into cards and flipping. Probably a good percentage of them are, but you should be concerned, right? That you're you're potentially buying in at, like you just said, the apex. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. just hoping, you're just hoping that it continues upward. Um, I think for, for that, you have to be a little bit nervous. But if you were to if you were to say six months from now, maybe even a year from now, the 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 stock and the stock market, the sports card market <laughs> pulls back considerably. What would you what would you point to as the two or three things you think will cause it? Sorry, my my door buzzer just went off and it muted what you were saying. <laughs> what what do you think? All I heard you talk about was stocks and cards in the same sentence <laughs> no, no, <laughs> by no, accident. Ty. A little fruity and slip, uh, but yeah. But what, the, the, what what yeah? What could cause? Mm-hmm. this to come not to completely crumble because it's not going <laughs> to okay. crumble right but what could cause it to pull back what do you think that what, what worries you the most the two or three things we're, we're going to talk about prices here in a second so we're gonna let's table that one but okay. what else got has you a little concerned uh it's tough because man I, I'm, I'm a collector and but i'm also a business owner so one of the concerns as a business owner is the price is getting too high for everybody but there's going to be people that are going to pay those prices. So how is it really I, – I don't see it going away or, or crumbling anytime soon. The only thing that could crumble it, okay, and this has been said a million times, is if the manufacturers actually increase production and f- truly flood the market with products. Now, there's a subset of that tie, and people say, and I hear it every day – whether I'm reading a blog or doing a podcast, is that, oh my God, all these products coming out. There's so many products. Well, it's very similar to the same release schedule that it's been in years past. It's just they are coming up with a few extra products to add to meet the demand, but that's not flooding the market. That's just creating another product that sells out right away. They're not making millions of those. It's just more products. It's not millions and millions of the same card of the same product. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just it's just another skew. It's just another product, whether it be Obsidian or Chronicles or Opulence or Encased. Sure. Those have always come out. Now, if they start making tons and tons of Obsidian, tons and tons of Chronicles, tons and tons of Opulence, double production on Encased, then you're going to have a problem because everybody's going to have it. But I think right now, whoever's running those shows is meeting the demand and keeping them a little bit hungry. Keeping them a little bit hungry. Yeah, so... so- for- that's what I like. I'm going to respond to that in a couple of ways. Okay. So one, I think at the, the mid to high end, you're right. And, and I don't think they can produce more, right? Because there's, you're at a point now where, I mean, you're starting, Panini starting the, the countdown bid at National Treasures at 30K, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's the, that's, yeah. you're talking like the 1% of the 1% that can uh-huh. make that purchase. Yes. Which it's already like, you don't, you can't print more, right? All you're going to do is be selling to the same people. Um, but I think like the lower end stuff, mm-hmm. you could argue they're, they're printing just as much as they were back in the, the, the early nineties. When you think about all different products and just the total amount of cards in circulation. Now 
I think what concerns me is that they they are they are they're tightening they're tightening the distribution channel. That's okay. their way of. And I'm curious to hear your response to this. I think this is their way, the manufacturer's way of kind of saying, okay, we're going to we're going to limit the amount of cars. We're going to print a bunch. We're going to, yeah. we're going to make because we're going to sell a crap ton. But we're going to slowly drip this out. We're going to tell people we're cutting back on production. But all we're going to do is we're going to stop selling through different channels and we're going to drip it out either through our own sites mm-hmm. or through the GTSs of the world and we'll let them start to drip it out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get higher margins. We're going to get higher margins. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more cards in the market. Um, it's, it's a win-win for them, most of the distributors, and most of the people that have access to that channel. But otherwise, I mean. I agree with you on that. Okay. It's, uh, it's I, I believe it's hoarding in a way. And there's a lot of hoarding of the products going on. And you have to realize that there are those who I'm still trying to figure out who they are, but there's (laughs) some people who are getting pallets full of any and every new release. Okay. And like you said, they can trickle it out. I don't care if they do that. What I care about is making sure that they are not overproducing something like obsidian or opulence or encased because you want to have that smaller product run and you can figure it out right with the serial numbers in the cards and People know how to figure out how many cases were made or whatever. I don't care that because it always sells for me. If I have to rebuy something, it costs me more. When I go through my initial allocations and I tell everybody, get it in the first few weeks because when I run out, the prices are going to go up sometime sooner depending how much I got. But when I do do the rebuy and I reprice it, it still sells out. And it just like with select football. That went up about $150 a box through um, COVID from like March till now. Wow. It just kept going up. Luckily, I had bought a lot right before COVID. This is my biggest product that I sell here, Select Football. Mm -hmm. So I loaded up on it prior to COVID. But I ran out because there was even more demand. So I had to go rebuy it. Now, for me, when I reach a certain point where I think it's costing me $425 to buy a box of Select, that's too much. I tell them it's too much money. I'm not, that means I got to price it at, you know, 450 or more. So I stopped buying it. Well, everybody did that. And then the price came down to under $400, 375, 380. So you can also, as a buyer over here on my end, we can control the secondary market by not paying those high prices. And I think that's what the consumers should do is stop going to these big box websites and spending a thousand dollars for a box of Spectra. If you don't spend a thousand dollars for Spectre, he's going to make it nine fifty or nine hundred or eight fifty. So, because they have all the products, so they can charge and get away with what they want. But people got to stop paying those high prices, or else they're just going to keep selling them for that. For sure. Well, I think I think it's going to take some time for reality to to hit for a lot of these people, right? Because you could argue that the prices of the boxes never go down until the singles and the graded cards that come out of those boxes drop first, right? Where, of course, yeah. you're going to pay. Four yeah. grand for a National Treasures box when blowout's saying I'm going to pay you six hundred thousand dollars for the one hundred one. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, no way. Like that. In in a certain way, like they're doing themselves a service. Like blowout by putting that out there, saying, 
hey, go buy more of our national treasures and all of our other high-end stuff because we're putting out this buy, mm-hmm. this buy order on this card, and it gets people this excitement and almost this false sense of hope that mm-hmm. they're going to get you know great return out of boxes. In reality, like it's 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 kind of. I thought about that too because phenomenal. just just that little thing that they did. Well, it's not a little thing; it's a big thing by putting out that bounty. Yep. That thing spreads like wildfire through the community, through social media, probably even other news outlets pick up on it, which they do, you know, beat writers, sports writers. And it just is great publicity and press for for blowout. I'm very envious of that. But it really does make people say, you know what, I will. I will buy that box of NT or I will get in a break and hope to get the Pelicans. So um, it's also allowing them to command pretty much whatever price they want. And, and now that I think about it, the case of NT that I'm hoarding, let's just open it right now live. Maybe we have it. What do you think, Ty? I'm in. I'll give you – yeah, let's just split it. We'll split, <laughs> it. split it? Okay. <laughs> How about we random, one person gets the Grizzlies and one person gets the Pelicans, either or, and then we'll random the rest of the teams 50-50 and split them. <laughs> so you either get the Pelicans or the or the um, Grizzlies. And so that way we're guaranteed one of us to get Pen- Pelicans or Grizzlies, and we'll just random the rest of the teams. What do you think? I pay- am a hundred percent in on right. this. I think it's very generous of you. All right. PayPal over your nine grand and we'll do it. <laughs> Done. I've already sent it. <laughs> but that's, you know, you think about that. There's people who, uh, who have their, their national treasures right now, basketball, and I'm sure they look at it every day. Yep. Think that literally could be a half a million dollars sitting in there. And I have a guy that I sold one to here mm-hmm. local. Yep. And he he's still sitting on it, but I have an internal clock in my head. I think it's a matter of time before he can't take it anymore. He's just going to open it. He said, oh, I'm going to keep it, man. I'm going to wait till the playoffs, and this could be a long-time investment if Zion turns out. In fact, I bet if I texted him, he probably already freaking opened it. <laughs> so it's driving the market, man. Basketball is definitely by far the hottest sport and product right now that that I've been selling. Football yep. is a little soft. Um is it? Although, okay. Well, that's interesting well, to hear you say because from what I from, from yeah. what I'm seeing in the data, it seems like football has had a crazy resurgence. It may be because there was nothing else to buy, so people went back and bought up all the football stuff. Well, now that you know, really, we don't have a, we had Chronicles uh, yeah. football, so we don't really have a lot of new products. But the the little contenders draft sells well here for me because those cracked ice um, mm-hmm. and those dual autos do well. Okay. But I, I'm talking like. The 19 stuff has cooled off. The select has dropped and all those. The 19 guys has cooled off. 2020 is exciting right now. But, man, I'd be curious to see when football starts back up. I'm sure all the 19 stuff's going to see some demand. But basketball is where it's at. For Bas- sure. And that's your jam, right? That's your world. Well, much. I mean, I would say baseball is probably more of my. Like, oh, really? I, f- I feel like I understand baseball the most. Yeah, well, and it's that's interesting too, right? Because that's why I think the shortened season really is going to be interesting to see. If it wasn't for Jason Dominguez in Bowman, like there mm-hmm. would have been, there wouldn't have been quite a much buzz for sure. But I mean, the rookie class mean, is just a rookie class. You mean the sixteen-year-old kid in Bowman? <laughs> right. Okay. Hey, man, I'll take it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, argue that point. But yeah, Jason Dominguez. <laughs> Guy just came in the shop today. He's looking for some Bowmans to complete a set. Yeah. Um, and he bought a case of Jumbo and got two Dominguez autos, a, um, a Sparkle one, and then, like, I guess the regular uh, base one, Chromes. Okay. So he's pretty excited about that. And um, I haven't pulled one yet in the breaks. 
mm-hmm. not one Otto or Dominguez. So we'll, we'll check back with him in five years when he makes it to the majors, you know, four years or so. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You want to hear a crazy stat? So um, yes. if you compare the first three weeks of National Treasures last year. Okay. To Luca. Luke, Luca year, right? Which Do you remember what boxes cost back then? Mm, you mean for the retail market? Yep. Like what What are the box costs if it was? 1200 maybe? Yeah. I think I think it's a very, 12. I can tell you actually in a second. I really think it was, I don't know, 12 to 1300 for a box. Yeah. 4500 a case maybe or something. Yeah. Somewhere so, around there. Five grand. Right, right now it's in, you can buy a box now for four grand, right? For the 1920. That's, that's the going rate. Um, so you're looking at three and a half X. The average card for the first three weeks in national treasures sold for one eighty three. This year, last year. Oh, first three weeks. Okay. One eighty three. The average card this year, when you take out Zion, that's important. Okay. Take out Zion. Two twenty. 220. So about 15% more, 20% okay. more you're getting, um, and you're paying three and a half X more. When Does you put, that reflect when you put above Zion the price? In, when you put okay. Zion in, sell them for $310 on average. Wow. 60% more on the average, but you're paying almost 350% more. <sighs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? How That, that but, just shows how overpriced it is. It is. And you have, you know, I say this every time, but you have such a great handle on that kind of stuff, percentages of increase and decrease and matching them up and all your charts and your graphs, which is why I'm a Patreon member. Hey, look, that's probably somebody calling to see if they want to sell me some 1980 tops. (laughs) Did I answer live on the air once? You did. Yeah. You want to do it again? Let's see if it works. Where is it? (laughs) All right. Let's see. Hello, Top Shelf. Hey, are you guys open? Uh, we're not open right now officially, no. We're going to phase four probably tomorrow, so we'll be open. Okay. All right, can you check the website? I'm live on a comp- on a uh, podcast right now, so I can't really talk. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wanted to see if we were open, Ty. Oh, we heard everything. I heard the voice and everything. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. Man, that would have been cool if he was like, hey, do you guys buy sports cards? I got some stuff from the 90s. You interested? <laughs> That is pretty fun. How many calls uh, do you get a day? Um, eight to ten, easily. Really? Yes. Everybody, especially during COVID, because uh, they were going through all their cards at home, bored, nothing to do. Oh, we got cards. Look at these. And then they look them up and they call, asking if we buy cards. Oh, Lord, let me put this thing on mute. Oh, answer it. Answer one more. Hello, top shelf. Hi, uh, is, is Chris there? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hello. Uh, this is weird. Are you there? Live? You go feedback. Oh, it's Ty. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't buy '90s cards. Get off my phone. All right, bye bye. Bye. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I was like, what are the odds of that? Somebody calling as I say my phone calls come in eight to ten a day. That's so good, good stuff. I'm, I'm impressed you have the shop phone. Uh, it's I memorized it. That's good. That's yep, one eight hundred top shelf, right? Yep. Cool. One eight hundred top T O P S H L. That's Gallinson. It might work. <laughs> I'm trying to get a license plate that says top shelf on it. Actually, T O P S H L F. Think that would be cool. Ooh, I do like uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, let me uh, let me get us back on track here for a second. Yes. So, l- let me just say this. 
I really hope the market continues to go crazy. Like I mm-hmm. am a sports card freak, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I yeah. like this is a big part of what I do each and every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want people to get the idea that like, Ty keeps uh, trying to put a downer in, no. on the market. Like I, I, just, I want to be realistic here, right? Because mm-hmm. people spend their hard earned money on stuff mm-hmm. that when you, I mean, look, we're all, we're all relatively intelligent. We all, we want to buy things that appreciate don't depreciate yes. right that's why we <laughs> yeah right, and that's the whole prices. that's the whole idea of this i think people get caught up in the value i mean let's be honest everybody wants to have something of value i mean whether it's an old antique or some relic you find from you know the egyptian period or something you, you want to find the value of that do you find those commonly laying around uh, yeah they're out back here they're all over the place these old egyptian you know ox and stuff staff of ra but when you find those, you're excited to have something that nobody else has. I think it should be about the rarity of it versus the price. It's priced because of rarity and provided the manufacturers, to, to your point earlier, they just have to keep the rarity and the scarcity thing going mm-hmm. and, and that will sustain and continue to grow the hobby. Um, I do wish there were some more products that are a lower price point for people and there is. But do you think people really want those, Ty? Let's right. be honest. Do you think they do? Um, the lower price point stuff. I, it's I think a, the people that are sense. coming into the hobby do not want them. Right. Right. There's no autographs, no guaranteed autographs in Topps Big League. Um, stuff like that. Or Top Series 2 comes out this week. There's autos in there. It's lower. That's about where you get it. That way you're guaranteed some relics and or autos at least. But those are what, hundred bucks, hundred and twenty right. nowadays. Right. So that seems to be about the level. Hundred dollars for a hobby box now, hundred to hundred twenty-five dollars. You can get the forty-dollar box um, for the kids. It has like twenty-four packs. And we pulled an auto out of the um, big league the other night, which is and fun, super fun. It, yeah, they're randomly inserted, and we we did the family break, kids break, and uh, it, it was in there. Well, so I think that's that's another interesting topic, right? Because I think what what you've seen is that grading cards has become such a phenomenon in the in the hobby where it's almost made flagship base oriented products almost as engaging and, and exciting as some of the high end stuff. Right. It does. Now, now you're going out and you're you're okay with buying series two, thinking, you know what, I'm gonna go load up on Luis Robert. And try to find his parallels and go grade them, knowing that, you know, back back in 2018 Tops Update, I always bring this up because it's a perfect example. You go buy an update case for $700, you pull 10 Ronald Acuna rookies, you pull 10 Glabers, 10 Shohei Otanis. If you happen to grade one of those Acunas, that's a $10 card, and it's a 9.5 now, it becomes an $80 card. Mm-hmm. It becomes a BGS 10, it becomes a $500 card. Yes. It becomes a black label. No. You're looking at a three, four thousand dollar card out of a pack that cost you two dollars. That is correct, right? So that that's what I think the grading. All of this is like just it's creating this tight little coil in the hobby where we're just slowly expanding, and it's like everyone's just there's little odds and ends and things that make it worth your time. So even like the flagship stuff, it's hard to find. You have to go fight people at Target to get it. You do, <laughs> and that's a, that's a whole other podcast in itself is the retail market now. Um, of getting those those retail blaster boxes or even the mid-level 
it's uh, trying to come up with a catchy phrase for it, but it's not a full on hobby box. Right. That, that we saw here, but it's not a blaster box. It's those ones that are like 60, 70 bucks in the middle. Yep. Maybe the hobby has three autos, but they put one in it and it's yep. like 70 bucks or 60 bucks or something. Um, those, those are good. I'd be interested to see how many of those that they sell, but the grading, if, if Beckett's listening and the PSA is listening, which I'm sure they are because they love breaker culture, they got to get more help, man. Like they, they have to do something to not have people wait a year for their cards. I have customers who have 70, 80 cards or more submitted and it's been coming up on a year. I'd be nervous. I'd be freaking out. So I think what they're doing, Ty, is there. I have a guy here who does it. He, he gets his cards in his breaks and good ones or he buys his hobby boxes. He's paying that $100 for that few day service. And I feel like that's the only people that Beckett and PSA are dealing with. Everyone else is like, mm, maybe we'll get to you in six months, eight months. <laughs> because they're taking all that money right now and getting it done, right? And, and recycling it. If you pull a Zion Gold, which we did, oh, and yeah. the, the, the number to 10 uh, mosaic for a customer, he sent it all. I said, man, it's worth it for you to pay the 100 bucks or whatever it is. Send that thing to BGS yep, right? because it's well worth it. And when you get it back, and he came back a nine five, and he was very excited. Same thing with a Vlad uh, rookie card. Sure, came back a ten, not black label. It was all tens, but they paid. They expedited it. So that I feel like that's all that the graders are going to be dealing with now, because everybody wants that high value card back right away. Yep. And then they don't have enough people to deal with the regular submissions. You know. So yeah, that, that's a tough one, right? I I do think. It, they do. They need to hire more people. They do. Right? And they, they, they raise the prices, right? So you would think, yeah, I mean, we, we already know, right? The, they, there is enough demand and it's it, the business sense from our perspective, right? Makes total, total sense. Mm -hmm. But yep. um, I, I, I also think you have to be somewhat careful to maintain the consistency that you've had over the years where you can't hire a bunch of, you know, bums off the street to go do this. You have to like train them and you do. And we've had that conversation with Jeremy Murray before at BGS, right? Where he just talks about the the degree of training we have to put them through is is very underrated. Because yeah. if the second we let we loosen up on that, like it kind of ruins the credibility of everything we've done. Yeah, there's an art to it, I'm sure. And um there's there's a big trust factor in that, just as there is here with you know, the the cards that we pull in the breaks, you gotta have a trustworthy person that is going to go through the cards, sort them properly, and get them out. Same thing with BGS. You have to have trustworthy people that are going to grade these cards properly. Yep. Either way, either assigning a delicious, beautiful, great black label grade or having to give that card an 8 or an 8.5. Yep. Like, you need both of those. So you can't just go, like you said, pull people off the street and say, hey, you want to be a grader? Grade all these cards. I don't just go pull people off the street and say, hey, do you want to come in here and sort cards for my breaks? <laughs> so I know it's not easy, but I think with a little effort, you know, and maybe referring some people out that know each other and get them in there, they could make a difference. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that's how you found Tyson. He's just walking around the street and he said, hey, man, you need to work for me. Good old Tyson. You know, Tyson's coming to do breaks for me while I'm gone for a week. Where are you going on vacation, by the way? People think I'm a control freak. I'm giving up my entire store, turning it over to people I've met twice in my life and on Twitter. Oh. Where did I what? Where am I going on vacation? Yeah. I'm going to uh, Michigan. 
Okay. It's about 90 miles from here. We go every year. Got a uh, a beach house rental up there that we like. Oh, so, is this the? I think last year you were on that. You were on the lake and you you did a little three minute video. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did because the lake was like glass, man. It was really calm. Yes. And uh, I was out there on one of those floatables, mm. and I took my phone out there. But it's a little town called Union Pier, New Buffalo. Okay. It's a sleepy beach town. There's literally one or two restaurants and an ice cream place. Wow. And it's in, you know, the Mich- Michigan is a wooded area along the lake. So you get a little cozy little beach house there in the woods and just go to the beach every day and eat at night and hang out. So Tyson's coming in to cover for the breaks. Oh, I'm sure he's going to kill it. I'll, I'll be sure to bug him. I'll pop in the room a little bit and yeah. give him a hard time. I, I I would appreciate that because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing to him. He busts my chops a lot of times That's about right. something. Dude, what are you doing? That's the little, I said, man, I can't wait till your dawn breaks so you can see what it's like, buddy. That's you would, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him every two minutes. What's breaking next? Where's my break at? What team do I have? Did, did I get any hits? Where's my break at? Yeah, I'm going to run him through the ringer, but he's a good dude. I'm so fortunate to have him. They help me at night too. Mm. Um, you know, from remotely in Texas and him and Carter, Anthony Carter, they both know how to run the website. Uh, keep track of stuff for me. So holy crap, I'd be lost without them. You do have an incredible team, man. Every time I, I meet you guys in person out there, different events, yeah. I'm always impressed with those guys. Thank you. It, it's, it means a lot, man. And, and for them to take their time, we finally worked out some stuff to make sure that they're feeling comfortable with their time that they're putting in. You know what I mean? I think that's important to make sure that they feel uh, that their time in exchange is is worth it. Even though they literally, literally probably would still do it if they didn't get a dime. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> no, nah, probably not. It's soon time for me to come back to Kansas City, by the way. I'm looking uh, forward to that. We'll have to figure be a road trip part two. Yeah, that'll be fun. Football season. That'll be fun. So, um, all right, a couple more topics I'm going to cover with you. So, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's, talk about, let's talk about some of the, the shift in platforms and social media, kind of – you're very good at this stuff, right? I've always I've always respected your ability to market to your clients and reach out to new people. Mm-hmm. Tell me kind of what you've been focusing on the last three months and some of the lessons learned with marketing for your business and tweaks. I mean, I think a lot of yeah. people appreciate that wisdom for sure. you have. For sure. Not a whole lot has changed in that this here, what I'm doing um, and what we're doing and breaking is you have to have new customers every night. If you don't have new customers coming in every night, you're going to experience attrition. Can't rest on your laurels because what happens is in this environment, it's similar to fantasy sports. People get excited about something. They have PayPal. They start playing daily fantasy sports, right? And blow through a couple hundred dollars doing it. Well, that can get old after a while if you're not winning, if you're not hitting, and you just move on to something else and you lose interest and they go away, right? So you have to supplant those people every day with somebody new. So the way I do that is through my marketing channels of mostly Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, little kind of mini referral programs to fill and supplant that area. Because with COVID, um, I I increased my Google marketing and my Google advertising. Um, Ironically enough, prior till the whole Rudy Godair meltdown, cancel everything started. So I kind of got fortunate there that my my Google reach was pretty strong. So when the lockdowns happened and people were Googling, they put in Google. Do you know what they put in Google? 
Here's what they put in Google. Really cool group breaker guy. No. Parentheses, not too handsome, kind of dorky, but <laughs> has really cool breaks, lots of fun, plays music, interesting and engaging, trustworthy, been around for over six years. Then they hit enter, and that's how they find me. But they have to put that exact string in, and it costs me exactly .01 cent per click for that search string. <laughs> I type that in every time. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm the one guy that's probably triggering it. <laughs> I might get my Google ads bill and it's like $4 and I had like 64,000 hits with, with 0. 0.001 <laughs> cent per click. But yeah, so the, the Google is very, very important. Like you have, it's competitive. It's, it's getting to the point. Uh, there are certain um, industries that have very high Google competition for those clicks. Drunk driving, attorneys are one of them. Uh, foreclosure, how to avoid foreclosure. You you don't want to pay for that. That's extremely expensive because there's so many people trying to vie for that first spot. I need, a, I need a drunk driver attorney, how to avoid foreclosure. I'm sure there's others, but now group breaking has become that because there's so many people have come in it. So you have to find creative ways to, to tweak your Google, um, which I'm, that's what I do during the day. I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways how to uh, manipulate and, and tweak, like you say, my Google ads, my marketing ads on Twitter. There's different ways. There's a hundred different ways you can market on Twitter. You can look for people who want to uh, engage with your tweet, meaning respond and reply. Um, there's just general marketing where you're just reaching people that are in your field or that like stuff that you tell Twitter to, to have them look for. Um, you can have them watch videos. You can have them sign up for your website. There's a lot of things you can do. So I would suggest, you know, learning how to do all those things. It takes time. And once you tweak that to where you want it, then you do what Ty does is you have to research the data and pick that data apart then, right? And find out how many clicks you got on this campaign, doing it this way, targeting these type of people, not targeting those. You can have people that have engaged with your tweets before. You can have people who just saw your tweets before. So that's, what I've been doing and it's consistent mm -hmm. and uh, in this hobby, in my opinion, where I'm at speaking for myself, I have to constantly be doing that because I've done, what is it called when you do something, it's like two different things you do and you want to get a result, uh, not beta test it, but kind of an AB thing. Right. Yep. I went through a few days. I was afraid to do it a whole week, but I went mm -hmm. through a few days saying, I'm not going to tweet anything. I'm just going <laughs> to see if I can find something else to do with my time in the day instead of having to create all these tweets and all these campaigns and all this stuff. And it was like crickets at nighttime um, as far as the break spot selling. So I have to do that to let people know what's breaking. And I know there's people who say, man, your Twitter feed is a lot of what you're breaking. Well, yes, I am yeah, running that, a business. That's, that's why I exist. Yep. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to let people know that I have break spots available for tonight. If you do not do that, nobody will see it. Right. And it's very impulsive. And I've done it with my friends who do breaks. I see their email blast and I say, I'm going to get in it. I'm going to support them. I'm going to go get something. So it works. Yep. And you have to be consistent in doing that. So that's, that's what I do. You know, big part of my day is doing that. Hmm. I got to teach Tyson how to do that, right? So you can take that over. That's true. That's true. Well, that, that's interesting, right? I, I love the I love how you simplified it, right? Every single day you are looking to have at least a new customer, 
Absolutely. Right? And I think when you, when you simplify the way you view your data and your metrics, it makes attaining it really, really, it you makes have to. it much more simple. You have to keep, you have to pick a few things that you're trying to achieve. And I think everybody, not everybody, that's a poor choice of words. I actually hate the word everybody, but a lot of people mm -hmm. um, focus on uh, money. Like I got to make money. I got to make money and I got to sell all this stuff. Well, you can do that, but you have to go in front of that to figure out how you're going to sell all of that. Right. And that's acquiring right. new customers because there's going to be your regulars in this hobby that life happens. Life changes. They will get bored with this. I tend to be very good at getting people hooked when they come in because of the music and the fun and the sound effects and the promotions and the chatters win and all that. And yep. it's a very dynamic environment. And they're like, wow, this is cool. Now, that may wear off for them after a few weeks and realize, eh, that was fun. That was definitely fun and cool, but it's just not for them. It's not even a personal thing. They just decide it's not. Right. So, so when they go away, Ty, I, I have to supplant them with new people. Mm. And that will lead to the sales. So that's my ongoing mission is new people every day. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Are you, are you into TikTok? <laughs> Man, that's funny because when you mentioned earlier about what are some new avenues you're investigating, that is one of them. But I, 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 I'm saying that because I'm investigating the same thing. Right, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you right now to a certain extent because of all of our bench clear media stuff. Right? Yeah, we're we're trying to. Fi I'm figuring out how to remarket something. Which it I does make do. me laugh. I don't know why it, it it literally genuinely makes me lol when I hear about TikTok. Same here. <laughs> it's like I, I feel funny putting out a thing going, "Hey guys, it's Chris." Follow me on TikTok. Like, <laughs> you know? I'm a middle-aged man. I can't figure yes. out what I want to do with my life. Yes. But please follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I mean, good gosh. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there with TikTok, man. I am. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to it, but we'll it's have just. We'll chat one... offline about that once we figure out a, the secret sauce to. to I mean, I, I know there's a lot of. <laughs> I mean, it's shifted over there to a certain extent with some of the hobby stuff. So. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it it's the same, it's the same similar thing. You know, I just think it's a little bit, I, I was actually tinkering around with it, which I'm sure you're doing. Yep. There are a lot of cool things you can do that Instagram does not allow you to do. Correct. Yep. As far as manipulating your videos and with the music that's not copyrighted and doing all kinds of fun, different things. Right. But yeah, I'm a middle-aged man. I'm going to do some lip syncing to uh, Backstreet Boys. You know, well, maybe I will do that. Whatever it takes. New customers every day, right? Uh, exactly. Exactly. All right. I'm going to go to the dailyhobby.com. It's where I've been going for uh, okay. hobby news. I'm going, to, I'm going to read you a couple of headlines and I want you to give me a response to it. Okay. Cool. Um, featured video for the day is a look inside of the Uncle Jimmy collection. Have you heard about this Uncle Jimmy dude? No, I haven't. You'll have to check that out. So it's a guy that died. I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where uh, he lived, but... He had apparently he only spent a dollar twenty-five max on all of his stuff in his collection. He showed his kids over time. <sighs> you bring him up or bring him down to the basement and say, "Hey, look at these cards." You have Babe Ruth and all random stuff. He died. Well, they thought, "Oh, oh no. my gosh, let's go to the basement and check out the collection." He had a crazy collection, like crazy. Well, the the craziest thing that you know is that most of his collection was never seen. It was in the attic. Wow! It was like it, apparently, it's like. 40 to 50 million bucks, something like that. But Babe um, Ruth autos, PSA autos, Blue Garrick, Babe Ruth, stuff like that. All everything. of that stuff in yeah. almost perfect condition. 
So like unheard of condition. Wow. Where is he located? Where I don't is know. this? I, I should okay. know that, but I'm just, I'm reading off the new stuff here, but I, I watched that video. I, that man, that's really neat. Yeah. I just found it. I see it. I'm going to uh, bookmark that. Yeah. Uh, let's look at some product news here. Sports collector daily put out, uh, the preview for 2020 Panini black football. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've always liked Panini black. Uh, I think it's, um, I think they did it last year where you can only buy it um, through the website or through retail or something. Do you remember that? Panini put it out. Yep. It was only available exclusively through the website. This year it will be a hobby product, meaning um, distributors will, will sell it. Um, okay. It's just a cool-looking card. I, I like the uh, sepia look. I, I you know, I like, the, I like the contrasting look. And uh, I, I did some a few weeks ago. I, was, mm -hmm. I came across the deal. Maybe somebody had some that I purchased. Do you know what it reminds us of? Uh, do you remember the Tops product that they put out that was like a black and white sepia type product a couple years ago? And we were trying to think of the name of it all night, and it still escapes me. But that's basically what Panini Black is now. And um, I, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, what was the name of that product? Yeah, see, it's going to bug you too. How did we took us? We, they went through. I'm telling you, the guys in chat were naming off about ten different ones. They're like, dude, that's totally it. And I said, no, it's totally not. I think it might begin with a D. Uh, they had a little die cut windows in them and really cool patches. Tops. Uh, That's gonna annoy the crap out of it me. It was, and it was football. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting though because they have Tops Chrome Black coming out this year for baseball. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah, I just pre-sailed that. So, so now it's gonna right. stump you all day to figure That's, out what that product was. I will think of it. I will find it's, it. Yep. It was the same thing. It was kind of a black product with like maybe a silver silhouette of the player and then the autographs really pop remember there was neon autographs and a big orange cool pen autographs on it with the patch the patches would pop because the card was black and then you had like a dolphins patch or something or a, you know a big broncos orange patch popping out of there it was uh it was maybe you know when they had the license it was probably the last one they did it's not definitive um, yeah that, that'll annoy me we'll find it afterwards okay or someone listening will yeah, Hang they'll tweet it out. If you, yeah. if you can tweet that out, uh, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, so, what yeah. about uh, another one here? 2020 Panini Prism WNBA Basketball. Okay. So, here. <laughs> Darn you. Be careful. Here's the thing with that. Uh, I, I got to choose my words carefully here. The, we are strong. It, will it sell out if you posted it? Uh, No. Okay. It won't. I mean, I'm a pretty good salesman, and I have salesmanship, but I, I don't know how. I'm trying to figure out how to break that, okay. I guess, by teams. Um, but I did ask. I haven't looked, but I did ask my sales rep um, if all of the women are going to be represented, like the veterans and yep. the Hall of Famers and all of that. If so, that's good. If this is just a quick little let's throw something together with a bunch of, you know – Third, second, third, fourth string type of people. No, but if it's if they do it well. Did you say Prism? Is that Prism? Yeah. But yeah, there's well, another WNBA product I thought also. Okay. Well, I, I was going to just make the point that I think if if the WNBA is, mm -hmm. is serious about the longevity of their sport, then this has to happen. Yeah. Like you got to get people collecting and knowing more about players, looking at them, seeing them, you know, in their in their uniforms, and like I w I wouldn't be able to name one player. But if there's a Panini Prism card that's somewhat important in the hobby, like I'll know it, and I might be more apt to watch them. I agree, and I, I think they tried this before. There was yeah. there was WNBA product, but it was not shiny Prism with you know all the parallels and golds and stuff like that. 
Um, but the word I was looking for earlier is that we are strongly encouraged oh, to purchase <laughs> this Panini WNBA uh, prism from our distributors. Um, what that means is when it, you're when you're strongly encouraged to support this, uh, you, one could argue that your allocations may see a result that is not favorable for you should you not support and strongly encourage to support this WNBA product. So I will be supporting the WNBA product when it I comes out crap, by the way. this year. <laughs> what? No, I mean, not, I'm not what you're saying. I just hate that that's what they're doing. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, you, know, you are beholden to what we decide you will buy if you want to, in fact, buy the products you want to buy. That is true. And like you know that. what? I don't even think they have to go down that road with, with that product. Like, I don't – basketball is hot right now. Prism basketball is – we know what that's all about. So don't make it so demanding. Don't tell us right out of the gate that you think this is going to be a trouble product to sell and we have to buy it. Do you know what I mean? Like put it out there and say it's going to be awesome. Explain to us why it's great and then I'll buy it. But I'm right. curious about it. I do want to open it. I open every single product other than hockey it's, I still haven't got my hockey yet with upper deck. I got to take pictures of the shop and do all these things, hmm. but every sport we do. So why not WNBA? Sure. And it bring it brings more eyes, more women into the hobby. I know what I'm going to do. You watch me market this. I won't go into it now, but you watch how I get this WNBA sold. There's guys going to be wanting to sell me their WNBA because I'm going to be breaking all of it. How about that? The question get is, what WNBA star do you have in your shop first? Hmm. That's what you need to think of. First, you got to figure Sue. out a name. <laughs> Sue Bird. <laughs> Done. There you go. Or maybe Brianna Stewart. Okay. So, yeah, WNBA. I'll, I'll, it's Prism. I'll, I'll do that. That's I fair. will do that. Okay, let me take a step back in. Do you, do you feel like we covered – I know we wanted to talk a little bit more about the distributor model right now. Do, do you feel like we got enough of that covered? Um, no, I think we somehow uh, – we we breezed right past that. All I want to say about the distributor model is, as you were saying, how they're narrowing the supply chain. Um, one of the things that upsets me as a as a person who worked all these years to get where I am today, meaning having a store, having a shop, having a, a nightly breaking operation, is um, when we get cut out of certain products, like Black last year as an example, and a couple other products that they did through the website. Mm-hmm. I know why they're doing it because they're able to sell those product at whatever they want and at a retail type price instead of wholesale mm -hmm. to the distributors and then to me. I get why they're doing that and they want other people to have a chance. But it still sucks because there's a demand for it, Ty, and my my customers ask for it. I am I'm stubborn. I do not like to buy things at retail price. Yep. And then I have to add on a margin. How how do I determine how much to sell it for then? 20%, 30%? You know, it costs a lot of money to sort, pack, ship, supplies, time on the air to open it. So by the time I get around to try to make it worth our time, I don't make any money. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not all about the money, but I'm also running a business. So there's other products that will be more priority to break than those. So that kind of bugs me because I want to offer it to my customers but I'm not the biggest fan of buying stuff at retail and then adding on uh, gouging the price because then it's not fair. Then I'm selling it for a lot more than what it's 
that the value is. So that's one thing that bugs me. And um, I know there's people out there that have to do that because they don't have distributors that they can buy from. And the distributors tell me, they literally say, nope, we are not taking on new customers. We're turning them down. Our phone rings 10 times a day with people wanting to open up accounts. And I'm not sure I believe that because I think that they can sell these new release products, Ty, for more to new people coming into the hobby because they have no other option and no other choice. Yep. If blowout's $250, we're going to sell it to you for $210, $220, That's still a better deal than them buying it at retail, you know, through the big box guys. So I believe some of the people that tell me it because I know them, but I think as a whole, there's no way any of these distributors are not, not taking on new customers because they're trying to load up and maybe that customer grows in to be a large breaker someday or a large shop owner. So that's the only element that bugs me. Hmm. We don't, it's, there's no transparency, by the way. There is no way, and I'm in a breaker group, uh, the super top secret breaker group that I'm in, hmm. and we talk about this all the time. There's, there needs to be transparency that says, okay, top shelf, here's your numbers from last year. The one distributor actually does this, but I still can't make amends of it because I don't know how much product they got. They're just showing me what I spent, what I bought. Well, I want to see how much did you get and how much did this guy get, that guy get, and how did you get those percentages? We'll never see that. So could a distributor get 100 cases and then allocate out 70 of them and keep 30? We don't know. You want to believe that they're doing it the right way. You want to trust them that they're getting 100 cases and they're allocating out 100 cases, not get 100 and allocate 80 and then sell them at market price a week later. You know, I don't know. I wish there was more transparency, but there's not a darn thing I can do except smile and be nice and respect everybody and hope for the best. That's how I run my business. You know, there's a hope lot I don't to respond to. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. lot. I just don't want to be, um, the short end of the stick when it comes to distributors. I don't cry. I don't bitch. I don't moan. I don't whine to them. I get what I get. It's enough to each week go through them tie and I move to the next product. Like I'm not being greedy saying I want more just so I feel like I got more. I need enough to meet my demand and I do. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. It meets the demand for that week. And there's something else coming out next week and you just do it again with the other stuff. That's it. Right. Yep. So I, th- I think, I think first off the hobby ebbs and flows just like any business, right? Where, yeah. when, when some people are, you know, jiving over here in the basketball world, like other mm-hmm. people are thinking, you know, there's an opportunity in the soccer world. We'll go do soccer. And like, there's that if, if you're smart, like mo- you'll find opportunity. So I think I let's preface all that by saying there's going to be opportunity regardless. But I think what concerns me most about what you said and what I know is happening is that the people that have kind of kept the market afloat to a very large extent have kind of helped sustain the, the sports card marketplace Yes, are the ones getting squeezed the most. And, and it's not for anything that they've done. It's because the distributors and the manufacturers have realized, you know what, we can sell things for more without those people now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we can do it through our own channels or we can leak it out, you know, drip it out through other channels where people won't notice Right. The mm-hmm. whole mosaic thing kills me. Right. Mosaic. Mm-hmm. They, they painted this picture like mosaic was super short printed. It's not going to hit a lot of distributors, especially on the retail side. We're going to squeeze them. 
and uh, sorry guys, we just don't have the assets to fill the product. You know, that's the message that was going out. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not doubting that's the message that was going out. But if you go look on DealerNet or if you go look at breaks, you go look on eBay, there is a crap ton of retail products still coming out slowly. And it's coming out through a couple key distributors that I think, you know, <laughs> manufacturers are like, hey, look, <laughs> two months from now, when you get an extra allotment of, uh, you know, mosaic that we pulled mm -hmm. out of someone else's order, mm -hmm. um, drip mm -hmm. it out slowly, get it out into the marketplace, and you're going to have margins that are, you know, 200% larger now. Like, yeah. I think that yeah. stuff right there will ultimately be what breaks the back of the hobby because you need the support of the people that you're kicking out. Yeah, you do need the support of those people you're kicking out because they're the ones consuming large volumes of every product and taking those products, your score, your hobby hybrid scores and your series ones and your series twos and stuff. So I, I don't get up in arms about it. There's, there's guys that I know they just get livid. They freak out. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're cursing people. And all I can say to that is that's really not going to get you far because sure. you're just you're just going to end up at the bottom of the list and even farther. So <laughs> not on the list, you mean? <laughs> or not on the list? Yeah. Uh, and and we we literally did have this conversation just the other night. Um, the thing that they'll tell us is, well, listen, Chris, because I do mention, I do say, hey. That doesn't make sense of my national treasures allocations versus my spectra allocations, which are probably more than half less spectra than national treasures. And to me, that doesn't add up. It would it, it feels feels like it should be the other way around. More spectra of basketball and you get, you know, minimal national treasures. Mm -hmm. So I asked about it and I said, Hey, I'm just curious about this. Why why is this? The answer was Nobody's happy with their spectra allocations. So I can't say, well, screw you guys then. I'm out of here. I'm taking my business elsewhere. Oops. You know, taking my business elsewhere. How am I going to do that? Because you know what? There are. They're telling there's 50 people sitting waiting that will gladly take that case or two of spectra instead of, you know, giving it to you if you're going to leave. So you have to play. Uh, you just have to play nice. You have to trust your sales reps. You have to trust your distributors and those that have the power to make the allocations. You know, there's guys that actually their job is just literally going through and allocating the products. Right. A human, a human being, just as there's a human being looking at your card to grade it, there's a human being looking at my account saying, Chris gets this, this guy gets that, this guy's going to get that. How do we know that this guy doesn't go, this guy's going to get 15 cases of this? How, how do you know that? You don't. And that's what I wish we could see. I don't have anything to hide. I don't care if anybody sees internally what how much we get. Yep. That's because they, they don't want to show that because maybe they did juice somebody up and give them 15. And then that person sits on it and then that's how it gets trickled out. I do think they get rid of most of it from the outset. Most of it. Manufacturers. I don't think that they're sitting on pallets and pallets and pallets of product. I think they get it out to somebody and that person sits on it. That's what I think. Because uh, they get in trouble, man. If there's a big investigation or something, that's not that's probably not the best thing that they want to uh, to have. Claiming things are sold out and you're sitting on a warehouse of it, but sure. But I mean, again, that it, 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 no one ever finds out about that. 
right? Because it, it slowly it slowly leaks out, and there's enough buyers now in the secondary market to where you can you can hide that type of stuff very easily. Yeah, very easily. And and you're right though. I mean, I, I just I want to make it known like that stuff's going on, and I think it it could be one of those things that could topple. It, it, yeah, it's it's going to it, it'll. There's repercussions of decisions like that. Yeah, that's right? what I'm just. That's what I'm saying. There, that that's a lot to risk. You yeah. know, that's a that's a lot to put on the line. I think they're doing good. The manufacturers, like we said earlier, as far as um, maintaining scarcity, that's my most yep. thing that I care about the most is scarcity of the products. If it starts, you know, if, if 14 cases of scores start showing up here, then we got problems. But it's not. It's two, three cases from each person. That's okay. I'm worried about. 10, 12, 14 cases of that stuff showing up to us. Right. And that, that has not happened. So I'm comfortable with that, you know, <laughs> seriously, because that's the low end stuff. That's the entry level product. So if they're not even overloading us with the entry level products, I'm okay with that. When they start saying, okay, here's your allocations. You got 116 boxes of uh, score. What? So that means there's 50 of us getting 106. So that has not happened yet. Well, that's so the thing though, like that. It's smoke and mirrors, right? You think it's not happening, but there's just as much product being printed because yeah. not only is there the prisms, right? There's the prism Asia edition. There's the prism first off the line, right? There's the prism, you know, whatever X an X yes. number, right? There's 15 parallels now. When back then, I, was, I put out a video a couple weeks, you know, weeks ago about finest, right, and the finest release. And when finest was re re initially released, there was mm -hmm. the one refractor, right, in '93, 260 of them printed. Wow, and and you know, like we think of like back then. I remember of that when that release came out. It was like, what? That's a lot, man. Two hundred sixty-one of these. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude, there's nine parallels in the new finest. I know. Well, you know, there's soon going to we make a joke that there's going to be a pair. There already is Inspector. There's a number to two, and there's you know the one of one, and there's a one number to two, and then five. It's like they're just going to make one through ten is going to have its own color or something. You know. They're, they're already talking about getting more animals, zebras and tigers and cheetahs, you know, just making animal print colors. So, by the way, and I know you love this kind of stuff. You always ask me the trends and what you're collecting and what are you thinking people are getting into. There definitely is, and we probably talked about it the last time, a demand for uh, parallels. Hmm. J just the parallels. Um, sometimes can be more valuable or more sought after, in my opinion, than the autographs. Yep, for sure. Uh, because I'm concerned that these players are making so much money today, 20, 30, 40, 50, actually hundreds of millions of dollars. So how much can Panini or Tops possibly pay these guys to take the time to sign cards? And what price do these guys want to do that? Mm -hmm. So I think there's... Which is good in a way that autographs eventually will probably become more in demand. Throw in COVID and not being able to be around anybody to get him in person and stuff. But yeah, the 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 prism the uh, the parallels are, are are sought after, and they try to product here score hybrid. There's no autographs in it, and it's just parallels. And those parallels are selling pretty good. Hmm. Go figure, it. right? I love that stuff, right? I think yeah. that that's what I mean. Look, this hobby is so great. Right. It's just so it's become so diverse. There's a little bit of something for everybody still. And yeah. I think it's uh, and, and credit to the manufacturers in this regard, like they're putting out some beautiful products these days. They Stunning are. Stunning products. Every time we talk, I say 
the cards are looking good. You know what I mean? They, they're, they're, you can tell the department heads are making effort to put out beautiful, good-looking cards. Yep. Like, let's make them different. Let's add some new stuff. Let's give some new chases. Let's come up with some rare case hits and stuff like that. So in that light, they definitely are keeping that um, that excitement for something new. You know, when you look at it, it says new. Like, I always want to see new. Mm-hmm. No, new, new this, new that, new this, new that. So keep doing that and keep it rare and scarce. I think we'll be okay. Agreed. Agreed. Man, mm. I think we I think we hit on all cylinders today. I think we did. That uh, <laughs> I hope that wasn't too negative for folks. I, it, no, the, this is the reality of this the, the hobby we're in right now. And but, I'm glad you're like that. You, I, I know that um, I I tend to be a little straightforward and I don't really like to go down some certain roads. But you have to be honest and you have to be um, candid about things, or else you're just always going to be, you know, kind of like the news outlets today. It's just going to be catering to one person. And that's not why we're here. We're here to be honest and open. And if there's things that I don't like that I see in the hobby, um, I have to talk about them. So I don't like when Panini sells stuff direct from the website. I was very open about that. I wish there was something else they could do um, around that. You know, do it, sell it on the website, but let us buy it at the wholesale price. Right. Well, I mean. And go ahead, sell it at retail, <laughs> but let us have it at the wholesale price because I am a business, you know. It, it, it cracks me up still, right? They, Panini and Tops cannot get their stinking sites figured out, right? I mean, Sapphire oh, yesterday Ryan. was like another perfect example, right? You have months to, to adjust. Oh. And, and it's just like, dude, you're getting blocked because they think I'm a bot. And it's like, I haven't been able to get a box yeah. in any of these releases for six months. Not <laughs> one box. box. Yeah, that was crazy. Yesterday was, uh, what's today? Literally, what's today right now? Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, it was bot Wednesday yesterday. We'll never forget that day. And they have... How much money do they have? A billion dollars? Do you know what kind of tools I could implement on my website if I had a billion dollars? <laughs> I just get some people in a room, fix this. Here, how much you guys need? Hundred grand? Fix it. Make that stop happening. And and they can't. And it's just weird that they can't fix that. Take all your stupid Project Twenty Twenty <laughs> profits and invest in the site, man. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I am. Well, mad. I mean, to their credit, Panini did figure out. A way to do first off the line, I think, a little bit better. Do you remember first off the line was crashing every time it came out? They were just putting a price on the first off the line, yep. and everyone was trying to buy it at that price. Then they went to the Dutch auctions and started it, like you said, uh, thirty thousand dollars, and then it works its way down. So I think that that, I think they've leveled that out a little bit. But tops, man, they they got issues. I just remembered I bought a bunch of Tops 2020 stuff to tie from uh, Tops about a month ago and forgot how many I bought, of who, when. I guess I should log into Tops and find out, like, where's all my 2020 cards that I bought from them, you know? Because I forgot. I totally forgot. Uh, And yesterday reminded me of that. There you go. You want to talk about 2020 so bad. Not doing it. You want to talk about Tops 2020 so bad? I've my it's like coming through the done. screen. Okay. We're not we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Rapid fire time though. You ready for this? Oh no! Yeah, yes, crap. Okay. All right. What what release in July are you looking forward to the most? Um, I think I'm looking to see Obsidian Basketball because they haven't done Basketball Obsidian yet. So how about that? Ooh. Chunky and shiny. It's like Spectra Part 2. Mm, there you yeah. go. I like that. Okay. When's that release? 
end of uh, July fifteenth. Oh, look at you. Mm-hmm. You try to stump me, but you can't. Can't do it. Oh huh? well, you can. You can. You can stump. I will. Me. Uh, what's your favorite shirt brand? Um, hefty. Hefty. <laughs> I thought beefy tees. I don't know. <laughs> my favorite shirt brand. That's a good one. Hanes. I'll go with straight up Hanes. Oh my gosh! All right. No, and that's Jordan, right? Oh. Yeah, the, the Jordan Hanes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boxers or briefs? Uh, I wear broxers. Wait, what is that? Broxers. Broxers. Yeah, I just you, made it up. It's just... a it's a boxer brief in one. That they're actually called boxer briefs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're right. Well, no, there's there's the briefs, the little you know the little ones, and then there's there's boxers. So yeah, I boxer briefs. I guess I think mm-hmm. those are cool. Okay, broxers. There you go. Broxers. That, that's going to be trending on Twitter tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> broxers. <laughs> Hashtag broxers. With all your Twitter advertising money, you can start start getting that to trend. I will. Um, tag Hank. Are you are you excited? About the new Top Gun coming out with Tom Cruise. I am excited about that. Hopefully it does actually release at some point. Um, and the reason I know about it is because my neighbors were all same age and they're all fired up about it. And I thought a great idea would be for us to get dressed up and go to the movie that night as the characters. So I think that's what we're going to do. Is we are really going to go feel the need for speed and go see Top Gun too. You guys should that, wear broxers and Hanes shirts. And that's what look. we're going to do. Yes. What's your favorite but, July Fourth tradition? Uh, fireworks, beer, food, hot dogs. Here's what we do. My son, he's a creative. He's always putting together some sort of a show or an event. He's got tickets made and all these things. So he likes to put together the end of the day fireworks show. So over the years. I have helped him in how to MC the event and how to do that whole thing. So that has become our tradition now with Brixen and putting together the um, end of the day fireworks show and event, getting everybody seated and he hands out stuff and we play the national anthem and it's it's a really cool fun thing that we've been doing for a couple of years now. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds really fun, actually. <laughs> it is. That's what we, <laughs> we love it. I bought one of those. Uh, those uh, they're really cool, by the way, for summer. If you're listening, you need one of these. You probably have them. It's a large uh, speaker that has a pull-up handle, kind of like a carry-on luggage, mm-hmm. and you can just wheel it around to wherever you need to go to. It has great sound. They're like 150 bucks. It has a microphone attached to it. So I'm definitely a microphone guy on July 4th in the neighborhood. Um, yeah. And I've passed that on, passing that on to my son to learn how to do that. So that's become our tradition each year is uh, doing that kind of stuff and just eating and drinking and hanging out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, it's always, always a pleasure to have you on. You're always real transparent. I appreciate you. Thanks, Ty. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, top shelf breaks.com. Been doing us for a couple years, so we're going to let it rock and keep going. Go to the website, topshelfbreaks.com. I'm going to go check out the dailyhobby.com since you mentioned it now. So Yeah, go check out BenchClear Media. You already know BenchClear.us. I do so know BenchClear Media. Yeah, that's, all, that's all normal stuff for you. You check it every morning you wake up. <laughs> Thanks, Ty. Um, is, there a, is there a coupon code or anything they can enter when they go to your site, like Breaker Culture, and they get a free uh, team in their National Treasures break? Is that what you're giving away for them? Free team? I'm going to give them a whole division. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were and sold out. Yep. Get a whole division. (laughs) 
No, but if they do want to, if they do want to, this will be a limited time. If they do want to use a code, they can put in BC10 that gets them 10% off. Ooh, yeah. BC10. That's right. Done. 10% off. 10% off your entire cart. See, the way I do that is it's off your entire cart. So you better load up your cart because it's only going to work one time. So the code BC10 will get you 10% off your entire cart. So don't just buy one spot because when you come back, your code's not going to work. So that's from Breaker Culture and me. Bench clear 10. Breaker culture 10. BC I just, 10. I just noticed they're both BC. Did I, you do that? Was that by design? That was not by design. Oh, I like yeah. it though. Amazing. Cool, man. Right. Have yourself an amazing weekend. See you in a couple months, man. I'm coming back up for TSB Road Trip too. Deal. See ya. Later.